So I was thinking the theme would be ascension, which is what I was actually going to speak on. And then I felt God speak to me during the week about what he wanted me to bring. And I feel that the Lord's given me a specific message for you this morning, which isn't nice and crisp and clean and perfectly ordered in that way. But uh, we're just going to read from Joshua chapter 1. So if you have a Bible with you, I think the words are coming up behind me anyway. But it's going to be from Joshua chapter 1. And it's headed in the NIV, Joshua installed as leader. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you, and that's you, and it's you, Alona, and it's you, Tony, at the back, and it's you, and it's you, Alan, and cover your eyes, Alan, and it's you, Margaret, and it's you, and it's you. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the River Jordan into the land that I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go." So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan, here to go in and to take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, a servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, the Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. 
After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to to death. Only be strong and courageous. A very well-known passage of scripture that I'm sure is very familiar to a lot of you and you would have heard a lot of messages based on that passage over the years. And we trust that God will bless the reading of his word to us. We just want to pray just for a moment. Lord, thank you for the touch of your hand waking us from sleep, helping us to start the day. Thank you for leading us to rely more on you than on our own independence. Help us to be open to what you have to say to us today. Help us to recognise your presence. Right now, we choose to cast all our cares and concerns onto you and focus on you in our worship. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I really just want to share a few thoughts from the book of Joshua, focusing on chapter 1 and the leadership transition that is taking place in this period of time with the children of Israel from Moses to Joshua. The NIV heading in that version of the Bible says that uh, Joshua installed as leader. And the reason that I feel that it's an appropriate word this morning is that uh, I wanted to connect these thoughts to the journey that you are on as a church with your current leadership transition. After the death of Moses, not that your previous minister, who I didn't know because we've only been in uh, Pontypris a fairly short period of time, not that he died, but there was a transition, there was a change. After the death of Moses, Joshua 1 and 2 says, The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you. Now then, you. And all these people get ready to cross the River Jordan into the land that I'm about to give them. So I believe that what the Lord has given me to share with you hopefully fits in comfortably with the transition that your church is walking through from one leadership through to the appointment of a new minister. 
And depending how we get on this morning, Alona said, if you could be about two hours this morning, that'd be fine. It's all right. And only do that when I'm preaching in India. When you don't need a watch. The only thing a preacher needs in the UK is a watch. You don't need a Bible. But watch is the important thing. When I've been preaching in India over the years, you don't need a watch, you need a, a diary. So I may continue this theme into our meeting uh, tonight. We'll see how we get on this morning. But I'm suggesting that the church in the 21st century needs to be both a prophetic community and secondly, a pastoral community. Firstly, a prophetic community, and then a pastoral community. The dying words of a church that you may be familiar with are, we've never done it this way before. My church background, as I've mentioned previously, I think, has been church planting and pioneering, we planted four churches in the UK under the AOG umbrella. And the second church we planted, we went to their second anniversary last September in Milton Keynes. So starting just with me and my wife Ruth and another couple, Chris and Sue Shaw, they're now running a thousand committed adults a five million pound building. They just finished a million pound extension when we went last September. They've got a homeless shelter and all sorts of stuff going on. Great things start from very small beginnings. And it became a motto, really, of my ministry over the last 40 odd years. I used to say to my congregations who didn't like change, if you don't like, like this change, wait, because you may like the one that's coming next week. Because it was like that. We changed all the time. Not necessarily for change's sake. For the first two years of the church in Milton Keynes, I was 28 then, I was the oldest person in the church in the first two years of that church. And the great thing about young people is they love change. They love variety. They love things being differently. Life brings change. And a prophetic community is one that has a clear vision for the future. Moses was dead. Joshua became his successor in leadership. And in verses 10 and 11 of Joshua 1, it says, So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Having a prophetic vision is having a clear view of the future and where and what the future is going to look like. 
a pastoral community, secondly, which goes hand in hand with a prophetic community, is one with a genuine care for one another. Galatians 6 and verse 10 says, Let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Our challenge is often that we want to settle. Because we often, as human beings, we like things to stay as they are. God is a God of continual change. The Bible says he doesn't change, but culture and circumstances and life brings change. And some of those changes, as quite a number of us in this room would have experienced, are quite upsetting in terms of health, death of loved ones, and so on. Some changes, like we have four grandchildren, grandchildren are wonderful. They are great. And you've probably heard that joke, that grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your own kids. (laughs) And that is so true. My daughter, who lives in Pontypridd, which is the reason for us coming here, always tells us off for spoiling Rose, who's seven, and Annabelle, who's nearly two. She says, you spoil them too much. I said, that's what we do. That's what grandparents do. Your job's to discipline them. Our job is to spoil them. And God wants us to be pioneers, to move out of that settlement and move out of our comfort zone to cross the Jordan River and to take possession of a new land. But there's often a drag and inertia, particularly amongst older people, to be pulled back to the good old days, which are never really as good as we remember them. Memories are wonderful at disguising the truth of what they were really like. Our memories often play tricks on us. So we have some excellent biblical examples which illustrate this. And Moses and Joshua are just two of them. So if ever we're going to break through and to move to another level in our Christian walk, to see the kingdom of God built in our own lives, in our church and in our community... Often we need to break out of the mould that we've been in and the pattern that we've been in to break out of where we are settled so that we can break through to be pioneers and to move out of our comfort zone. To pull up the tent tent pegs of our tent to move it to new pastures. I was having a conversation with a Christian yesterday afternoon and he was just saying to me, he said, I can never do what you've done, Alan. He said, move. He said, you've lived all over the UK. My wife said to me, Ruth, who's at Temple this morning, Ruth, Ruth says to me um, a few years ago, she said, what would you really like to do? I said, I'd like to live abroad in a different culture for a few years because I was going to India and Jamaica and the Middle East preaching and I've been to Africa and so on and so forth. I said, and rather than just parachuting in, 
for two or three weeks and I'd like to go and live there. She says, I wish I'd never asked you that. <laughs> this gentleman yesterday afternoon, was, I, I couldn't do it because he's born and bred Ponty Priest. But we've tended to live for about ten years in different parts of the UK. And when we're settled, we see the giants which remind us of our past. We see the mistakes that we made, the times we stepped out and it didn't work. And this church will have giants in its history. I don't know anything about the history of this church, just as I don't know anything about the history of any churches in particular in, in Pontypridd, that's an advantage when you come and you knew. My ministry has tended to be in Middle England. Uh, I come from Nottingham, uh, Milton Keynes, Wellingby, Northampton, Chester, on Seven in Worcestershire, Rowley Regis in the West Midlands and so on. So nobody knows me down here, it's great. Crime Watch hasn't caught up with me <laughs> down here yet. That this church will have giants in its history, tombstones in its history. Some of those giants will be good. Some won't be so good. That's not a word of knowledge. That's common knowledge built from 40 years in church leadership. Giants, chains, which bind us to the present, giving us plenty of reasons to stay where we are, because it's safe and comfortable. When we were in uh, Cardigan, we we had some lovely accommodation right in the middle of the town. But Ruth and I both have a stressless chair at home. Those of you that are familiar with stressless chair will know that they're some of the most comfortable chairs that you can get. And we had comfortable chairs where we're staying. It's not like the stressless because my background's accountancy as well, um, which I've mentioned before, I was a director of Kingdom Bank for 12 years, which is a Christian bank, um, which loans money to churches to put uh, put buildings up and so on. So anyway, when I I stepped down as a non-executive director in, or I didn't stand for re-election again in 2011, they bought me a stressless chair as a gift. So, I love this stressless chair. Comfortable. We like our comforts. Moses was a man of breakout. He led the children of Israel to break out of Egypt. He led them to break out of the bondage and the trappings of the past where they were settled. They were settled in Egypt. Those of you that are for Bible students will know when you read their journey in Exodus, they were great at moaning as well. Settled but moaning. I hope this morning you're not a settler but a moaner. You need to be settled if you're settled and positive as well and encouraging to the leadership here. Someone was having a conversation with me recently, nothing to do with this church at all. That they were moaning about their church to me. 
So I suggested they either stop moaning and get behind the leadership or they go to a church that, where they could fully support the leadership. They said, I don't think there is one. I can understand that. I said, I said to them, I said, I said, I said that's because you moan all the time and you're looking for... They said to me, I don't particularly know, know this person very well. He started the conversation. He said, he said you're direct, aren't you? <laughs> I said, well, I said, you started this conversation, now I'm telling you what I think. I said, you basically need to get your act together and get yourself sorted out. And Moses wanted the children of Israel to break out of what limited them that the children of Israel needed to want that too. I love a verse in Hebrews 11, verses 24 to 27. It says, By faith Moses persevered because he saw him who is invisible. That's in the NIV. The message, a modern translation of the Bible that I'm aware from the Bible studies I did here, uh, some of you read quite regularly as well as I do. The message puts that verse more directly. By an act of faith, he turned his heel on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. He had his eye on the one no one can see and kept right on going. I love that. I think that is a fantastic verse. He had his eye on the one no one can see and kept right on going. So my question to you this morning is, where are you looking? Where are you looking? Have you got your eye on the one that no one can see? Because by faith, we believe in God. Where are you looking? Moses kept walking in the context of the Hebrew verses because he knew where he was going. It is having that conviction of calling. Everywhere I've led, planted, primarily four churches, we were at Rowley Regis the longest, um, 1998 to 2011, um, so 13 years there. But I've always felt that incredible sense of calling to wherever I've gone. So my last ministry position was with the Assemblies of God Church, Blackheath Christian Fellowship in the West Midlands in 1998. And we merged with the Blackheath Elim Church in 2003, forming what became known as the Flame Community Church. All that journey started, well, it started as working in partnership together because we felt our leadership and the, the Elim leadership felt God was talking to us about working in partnership. One of the emphases in Philippians, as you may know, one of the key words, if you're into reading the Bible and picking out the key words and the key thoughts of the chapters, you'll find in Philippians one of the key words there is, is partnership. So we started working in partnership and we felt God speak to us from Ezekiel 37 verse 19 about the two sticks becoming one. So we put all this journey took three years, it all started in the year 2000. Um, 
So we became, that's why I'm an assembly, both an Assembly's God and an Elim minister, have credentials with, with both, and as does the church. The only church, not only in the UK, but in the world, that has um, equal standing with both denominations. Because it wasn't Elim going in with AOG, and it wasn't AOG going in with him. The national constitutions of both bodies had to be changed to facilitate what we wanted to do, which is why it took three, three years or to be worked through. And someone said to me during the, what we call the merger journey, what if, what if this doesn't work, Alan? What's your plan B? And I said, there isn't a plan B. This is plan A, and this is going to work. And 16 years later, that was 2003, 16 years later, 2019, it is, it is a fantastic church, much better after we left. because I stepped down from senior leadership when I was 60 to hand over to younger people. So Chris Siviter, who heads it up now, Chris actually is, is in regular contact with me. So Chris phoned a couple of weeks ago. Not one person left either church during the merger process. Not one. The number of people who've said to me over the years, that is amazing, Alan, that nobody left. But it's having that conviction and knowing where you're going, building a prophetic community. Moses had that conviction. Joshua had that conviction. Because they had their eyes on the one no one can see and they kept right on going. And it's keeping on going through adverse circumstances sometimes. You'll be familiar possibly with the uh, athletic relay illustration of, of teamwork. That over the last 20 years, it's been corrected a bit since the 2012 Olympic Games in London that, that, um, that we actually went to um, at that time. But the, um, what happened there <clears throat> is that the athletic illustration was so often when the, the British team, the UK team, dropped the baton. Some of you will be familiar with these things. But in the European, the world, and Olympic athletic competitions, we've been well placed in each of the races at this international top level. When you know what happened, we dropped the baton. We were pretty good at it. We got a gold medal at it, dropping the baton. So we ended up out of the medals. So many times over in the UK, the UK church has been well placed in the race when the baton has been dropped. When sometimes church ministers 
church leaderships and church members have not behaved in a way which matches up to the life of a disciple of Jesus. And what they say they believe and practice. It's quite interesting, the, the conduct, this message is interesting for me, because in, throughout the service this morning, both in the conversations I've had at the beginning, in the prayer that we had with the leaders before coming out, in the um, content of the service, in the hymns that we've sung, in the prayers that have been read, the theme of discipleship has come up quite a bit. And the focus on being a disciple, not just being a believer or an attender. Satan is a believer. And one of our focuses in the last church that we led, when we merged the church, I remember it very clearly, God started speaking to me. We sold our house we completed on our house on the 6th of December, 1998. And the house we were moving into wasn't going to be ready until the end of January of the following year. So Anne was a lady who came, she was actually our first convert in this, in, uh, when we moved to this new church. Anne became the first convert in the church. She was divorced from her husband, Malcolm. Malcolm was a, a recovering alcoholic, which was the reason that they got divorced. So Anne said to me at one Sunday morning service, this was about the 3rd of December, and we got nowhere to live for a few weeks. She said, on the Sunday, she said, where are you going to live? I said, we've got no idea. I said, I said, the Lord will provide something. I said, we are looking round. She said, I know what I'll do. She said, I'll tell Malcolm... They were divorced. So I tell Malcolm he needs to move out of the flat he's in, go and live with his mother. You can move into his flat for eight weeks until your house is ready, which is exactly what, what happened. It was, uh, it was brilliant. And on that Christmas morning, <clears throat> God started talking. I was getting ready because we, we had the, the, the service, uh, Christmas Day service. So I was leading the service. And God started to talk to me about building Dream Church. The Lord said, this is going to be a Dream Church. And, he saw, and I started writing. This is Christmas morning in, this, in Malcolm's flat. Malcolm wasn't there. And I just started writing all these things down that God said. Which actually became, there were 22 elements of it. But the first element, the first point that I got written down was what's been focused on this morning. Which was to build a dream church with disciples, not believers or attenders, based on Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, which are the verses that we read, we read out earlier. Therefore go and make disciples and where do you sit today in this church are you a believer are you an attender are you a casual attender 
Are you a disciple? Is this church your spiritual home? And you may be strategically placed right now in this time of interregnum to make up for some of the mistakes of the past. And I don't know what those mistakes are. I'm sharing this with you because I feel this is what God shared with me. So you, you have to make up with it. You have to take it away and weigh it up. To recover some of the years the locusts, the locusts have eaten. But you mustn't drop the baton now. If the baton's been dropped in the past, the past years since this church was birthed, God is giving you an opportunity on the 2nd of June, 2019, not to drop the baton this time. And I feel in my spirit that this transition period is a key time for you as a church to reposition yourself to catch the wind of the Holy Spirit for your next season as a church because the decisions you make now will shape the next five to ten years in the life of this church and will be significant in the life of this community. And it's, we preach the gospel, I think it was Alona, somebody prayed earlier about impacting the community earlier on, or worse to that effect, in our prayer time. Or, or it might have been in, in the office at the back, Alona. And that's why we need to keep our eye on the one no one can see and keep right on going. And as you're on a journey to appoint a new pastor, it's vital that you keep your eye on the one no one can see and keep right on going. You may have broken out of Egypt, now you need to break through into the promised land. The current success of the England cricket team, the, the one day in the ODIs, the one day international, is all about teamwork. And teamwork's all about everybody pulling together at one time in the same direction. It's all about being together. And it's so vital that you all hear the same thing in the same way at the same time. Liverpool winning the Champions League last night was a culmination of them working together as a team throughout the season. And have you ever considered that question? What does togetherness look like in this church? I'll just be a couple more minutes, just I appreciate time's moving on, and then I may pick this up this evening, we'll see. What does togetherness look like in this church? Think about that question. What does togetherness look like? What shape does togetherness look like? Does togetherness take the shape, current shape of the leadership meetings? Does it take the shape of the membership meetings? Does it take the shape of a Sunday morning meeting? Does it, everything the church does. What shape does God want to change the pattern? Because the enemy is into separation, fragmentation, division, splits and disunity. 
But God is into unity and togetherness. Moses and Joshua were into unity and togetherness. They were in the same relay team. And a good relay team needs four good members, each running a good leg, plus some spares, in case one of the team members gets injured or needs a rest period. Moses, if you read through the history of Moses through Exodus and so on, you'll find there that he learned some valuable lessons about teamwork from his father-in-law Jethro in Exodus 18. We don't have time to unpack that this morning. Before Exodus chapter 18, Moses had been the team. He'd the one who, he's the one who'd um, cleaned the windows of the church. He's the one who'd renovated the church. He was the one who preached the sermons. He was the one who led the service. He was the one who played the instruments. He was the team. He'd been doing everything himself. He didn't practice delegation. He'd been running the four legs of the relay by himself. But then he had a partner, Joshua, to run with. He had a second member of his relay team. He had someone to share the load and the burden with. Moses, if you look in the history and the the character and the gifting and the calling of those people, you'll find that Moses had more of a pastoral gift and Joshua had more of a prophetic gift and they worked in tandem as a team together. And the church family is a team here. Your strap line could be one body working together, building the kingdom of God. I'll just invite you to say that. I've got one more illustration and a prayer and I'm going to finish this morning. So repeat it after me if you would. One body working together Building the kingdom of God. One body. Working together. Building the kingdom of God. I'm a keen bird watcher. Before I went into the ministry, I used to be the, the RSPB rep where we lived. And then we'd been involved in ministry 40 years. You don't have a lot of time when I got back to, when we moved to Prestatin. My wife bought me a telescope, so I used to go to Talacra, those of you that may be familiar with that part of the world. It's great to watch the seabirds and the, and the waders and so on. And one thing you may know about geese is that they fly in a V formation and they, the lead goose changes and comes back and somebody else takes the lead and they, and they move like. And as they're moving forward, they are honking. When they fly over you, they honk. I've never seen this before. When we were in Cardigan last week, I've never seen swans do it, but the swans came over. I'm not sure where we were. We weren't exactly in the town. We were out somewhere for the day. And as the swans, I felt it was real confirmation about bringing this this morning. As the swans flew over, and as you know, swans are majestic, but as they flew over, the honking sound that came from the swans who are at the back, supporting their lead swan, was fantastic. And it's great to honk 
in unison together. One illustration, one prayer, then I'm done. By the time Disneyland in Florida opened, Walt Disney, whose dream it was, had died. Someone said at the opening ceremony, isn't it a shame that Walt Disney did not see his finished project? The creative director replied, Walt Disney did see it. That is why it's here today. Walt Disney was a prophet in a natural sense. He saw what it was going to be. He saw what Disneyland, some of you may have been to, to Disneyland, I've, I've never been. But Moses and Joshua were like Walt Disney. Moses and Joshua were like Walt Disney, Dr. Martin Luther King and Nelson Mandela were all rolled into one. That's a powerful combination, isn't it? They saw the promised land. God gave Joshua a strategy as how to go from where they were to where God wanted them to be. What and where do you see this church in the next five to ten years?